You're listening to a series on the book of Ephesians, uh, talking about some of the themes in this New Testament letter. And we've been going through the entire book section by section, and this is the last section we're going to look at, the very end section of chapter 6. So if you've been following along, hopefully this has really enriched your time in the Word of God. And I think it's so important that when we actually read the Bible, we sit down and try to observe what's actually going on. We try to dig into what the text is actually saying, and we ask questions of the text. We try to interpret it correctly to the best of our ability. And I hope that this can be a resource in building your confidence in reading the Word of God, but also learning uh, about things that you may not have known or insights that you may not have seen. And we can draw not only upon things that I'm saying, I mean, I'm just a regular guy, but a lot of things that I'm telling you, I've, I've drawn from the riches of church tradition, the riches of brilliant scholars who have labored and studied these texts. So there's so much depth to this, and I hope that that comes out uh, in your own reading of the book of Ephesians. So we've been looking in the past few weeks about how the gospel reshapes uh, social structures, how it, how it gives us a new context for understanding the relation between husbands and wives and between masters and servants and children and their parents. And now we're going to see how this reshapes the way we view our relationship to our sin, our relationship to the world, and our relationship to Satan and and the the spiritual forces of evil that we are facing. Now, that very phrase may kind of sound strange. What are we talking about? We're talking about, you know, the classic cartoon with an angel on one side and the devil on the other, or are we thinking about a guy with a pitchfork with a pointy tail? And we want to be careful that, that we don't dismiss the spiritual realm because of cultural ideas. And we also don't want to uh, let those cultural ideas create a, a, a misrepresentation of the way the Bible views the invisible realm, the spiritual realm. And that's going to come to play as we look at chapter 6. So I'm going to read chapter 6, verses 10 through 23. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus and beloved brother, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know 
how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. This is such a powerful ending to Paul's letter. And he really pulls out all the stops. Uh, his, you can sense the urgency in his voice in verse 10, the very first word, finally, with a command, be strong in the Lord. How do you be strong in the Lord? You do it in the strength of his might. That's such a fascinating way to put it. Our strength in the Lord comes from the Lord. We can't stand for Christ. We can't be faithful to Christ unless he first empowers us to do that. Now, what does that look like practically? Well, we have this verb that Paul begins with, put on the whole armor of God. And that's how he says you're going to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So we have to be strong in the Lord. Why? Because we are fighting against the devil and his schemes. The devil is plotting and planning against the kingdom of God, trying to condemn us, trying to thwart God's plans and purposes. So we're engaged in a battle. It's a, it's a battle against Satan and his plans, and we need to put on armor to stand against it. Now, the idea of standing isn't just defensive, but it's also offensive. So we're not just, we're not just taking blows from the devil and protecting ourselves, but we're also taking ground against the devil. Right? When, 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 when Jesus talks about how the church, the gates of hell will not stand against the church, it's talking about how the, the church is going to assault the gates of hell, that the church is taking ground. Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan. Right? And so we see in verse 12, who are our enemies? It's the schemes of Satan, but also the spiritual enemies. Right? We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Satan is not, does not have flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, and spiritual forces. So there's this whole unseen world. If you go into the Old Testament, you'll read how there are, for example, and I think it's in Daniel 10, uh, the archangel Gabriel tells, tells Daniel, hey, sorry I was delayed in getting to you. I was fighting the prince of Persia. And it's kind of like, what are you talking about? Well, in the Old Testament, there are hints to these spiritual beings who are dark forces over nations, right? And uh, there are, uh, we, we, we hear e about evil spirits and we hear about demons and, and all these kinds of things. These are real things. These occupy our world that we live in today. And Jesus Christ has, has assumed authority all over all of them. And he has given us the strength to fight them, right? But this is an active thing. We put on the armor of God. He repeats it again in verse 13. We take up the whole armor of God. And that's how we can withstand in the evil day, right? When we're tested and we will stand firm. Not because we're really good, but because we have the resources of God to draw upon. So this idea of put on and put off, you see that all throughout Paul's letters, right? You, you put on the new man. You put on Christ, right? You put off the old man. This is an, an act of the will empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? So when we start to be tempted by Satan to act like our old man, we remember the promise of the gospel and we, we pray to God and we ask him to strengthen us in his might to stand against those temptations and against Satan's deceptive schemes. Now he gets even further and he says this armor is multifaceted. Right? Now, we don't, we don't want to get too into the weeds on this. Sometimes people get too detailed in explaining why these certain parts of the armor are what they are. But I think if we look at the, what makes up this battle armor, we can, we can see a few, few ideas. And, and, and by the way, this battle armor, the idea of putting on armor, 
it's something that is drawn from the Old Testament, right? God himself in, in various places in the Old Testament puts on armor as he goes into battle. And so we are in a sense imitating God. We are, we are gearing up to fight against the forces of evil. So he says in verse 14, stand therefore, Okay, so how do we stand? Well, when we stand, remember, it's not just defensive, it's offensive. We have to have truth. That's the belt of truth. We have to know the truth, the word of God, what is objectively real, the claims about Jesus Christ that make claims on the world. That is what we strap onto our belt, the message of truth. The breastplate of righteousness that protects our chest, our hearts, our important organs. That's righteous living. We are holy people. We don't want to be taken down because of our own sin. As shoes for our feet, we put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Shoes were really important in the ancient world because uh, often uh, roads were very rocky, right? They weren't very well paved. And you were walking through all kinds of different terrains. So shoes protected you and gave you a swiftness to be able to walk across long distances. So the gospel are, are shoes that we put on and it gives us a readiness to preach the gospel at all times. And he says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Satan will attack us with what Paul refers to as um, uh, uh, flaming darts, the, the, the flaming darts of the evil one. Now this might be referring to in Ephesus, uh, there was a cult around the goddess Artemis. And one of the things that Artemis did is she shot arrows. So you can imagine first century Christians growing up in that pagan culture, they might be afraid that if they trust Christ, that the, the, the Greek and Roman gods would be against them, that Artemis might fire, dev, uh, fire, fire uh, fiery darts at them. And Paul says, no, take up the shield of faith. Now, maybe that's true, maybe that's not. But again, I want you to to grasp the significance, our faith is a shield against the lies of Satan that try to attack us, right? And we not, only, we not only have that shield, but we have the helmet of salvation, the knowledge that we've been saved, and the sword of the Spirit. I, I love this part. The sword of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit use to do battle? The Word of God. The Word of God, right? You think about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. What does he do to fight off the temptation of Satan? The Word of God the truth of God, right? That's the sword of the spirit. So all of these things we put on, we remember these things, we activate them by faith, right? By calling them to mind and acting in line with these things. And to that end, we keep alert with all perseverance. This is the end of verse 18. How do we do that? How does this all come together? How do we put on this armor? We pray. Right? Paul says we pray, we make supplication, earnest prayer, not just for ourselves, but for all the saints. Do you pray for your church? Do you pray for your pastors? Do you pray for your family? That they too would take up the armor of God and defend themselves against the schemes of Satan. Right? That is so crucial. And do this consistently with perseverance. And he says, listen, while you're at it, pray for me. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in prison, but I'm an ambassador in chains. Right? Paul knows that he has an assignment, even though he's in chains. And his assignment is to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So ask that God would give me the words to say in this situation, to be bold with the gospel, praying for boldness. And then this letter ends with a little update. He talks about how Tychicus, his beloved brother and faithful minister, is heading to them to Ephesus to fill them in on how Paul's doing. But he wants them to know that, that he's, he's doing okay. 
right? That, that he wants to encourage them. Even in the midst of his own suffering, he's outward focused. I want to encourage you in your faith. I don't want to make it all about me. I'm going to be okay. I'm worried about you guys. I want to make sure that you're standing firm. And by the way, pray for me that I would stand firm. There's that mutual encouragement that he talks about. And then he ends with this benediction, peace to the brothers and love with faith. Where does this peace and love come from? It's not human generated. It is from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. It's a great phrase, incorruptible love. Why is it incorruptible? Because it is a gift from our Father. It is a gift from the triune God who has predestined us for glory, made us one new man in the church, has knit us together as a body of Christ, given us gifts through the ministers of the church and through the spiritual gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit, has given us a new life, a new way of walking, to walk in love as Christ loved, which reshapes the way our marriages, our work life, our communities live together, and which prepares us for the spiritual battle that's ahead. And I hope that that encourages you because you will need this because Satan will be after you, especially if you're seeking to obey God. He will be after you. But we have the resources. We can stand in the strength the Lord provides. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you go to fourhawksmidtown.com, you can find all of these listed out. Uh, and you can go through the whole series. You can also subscribe to the Four Oaks Midtown podcast, which you can look through the archives and you'll see all of the Ephesians series. We also have a Revelation series we've done, a Mark series. Um, We have a, a Philippians series, a Hosea series. So go check those out and we'll be back in the near future with another devotional series on another book of the Bible. Thanks for listening.